Welcome to Highlands Church Audio Sermons. Today, July 30th, 2023, we continue our series titled Spiritual Disciplines, Training for Godliness. Today's sermon, Study and Meditation, will be taught to us by Pastor Jay Branson out of Psalm chapter 1, verses 1 through 3. Enjoy. For the past few weeks, we've been in our Spiritual Disciplines series. To be disciplined is to be guided, to be instructed, to be trained for the benefit of. Now, disciplines are not attained overnight, and they don't come naturally. They take time, they take work, and they take discipline. But disciplines are good things, and we know that good things take time. Music has always been a passion of mine and is actually what God has used in my life to bring me to him. And when I was in middle school and I first learned to play the guitar, I wanted so badly to be able to shred like Jimi Hendrix. Now, unfortunately, you can't just pick up a guitar and play like that. What I needed to do was to be disciplined in my practice, to be disciplined in my fundamentals and grow my musical skill. Now, unfortunately, years later, I still can't play like that, but good things take time. It's about incremental growth. It's about discipline. One of my more recent hobbies has been cooking. Last year for my birthday, I got a Traeger pellet smoker and I was so excited to use this thing. I had an idea in my mind of what I could accomplish, uh, but one thing I learned very quickly is you cannot rush the process. My first cook was a rack of ribs, and I was like, okay, I'm gonna be like competition, barbecue, fall off the bone, this is gonna be great. It's one of the worst ribs I have ever had. My preparation was lacking, I didn't even trim the spare ribs, I rushed the cook, I couldn't wait to try it. I've learned my lesson though, you cannot rush the process. Good things take time. We must be disciplined in order to wait the full cooking time in order to enjoy the end product. It takes discipline to stick with the fundamentals to grow our musical abilities. And it takes discipline to allot times in our schedules to go to the gym to care for our physical health. Now, Jim and I aren't necessarily the best of friends. We don't do all that much hanging out. It's not a place where I like to go. My wife and I are currently raising two kids under two, so we are getting all of the exercise we need. Every day, it's like a different full body workout that gyms don't even offer. The point being, good things take time. And just as it is good for us to be disciplined in our talents, hobbies, and health, it's good for us to implement spiritual disciplines in our lives to grow our faith. This morning, we'll be taking a look at the spiritual discipline of study and meditation on the Word of God. My heart this morning is to provide helpful tools for us as we approach implementing the spiritual discipline of study and meditation into our day-to-day lives. But before we dive in, let's bow our heads and pray. 
Lord, we thank you for this day, God, this day that you have made. God, we thank you so much for the church. God, a place where we're able to gather, to be encouraged, and to stir one another to do good works. God, we just pray for your Holy Spirit to open up our eyes and ears and to soften our hearts to receive your word this morning. God, it's all for your glory. May you be glorified in our study of your word. It's in Jesus' name we pray, amen. I was born and raised here in Phoenix, Arizona, and I love this state. Go D-backs, finally. It's a good year. Things are looking okay. Aside from the scorching heat and the busy winters and our beautifully diverse landscape, what makes Arizona unique is the Grand Canyon. It's one of the seven wonders of the world. And growing up here, we actually never went to the Grand Canyon as a family. It was something I always wanted to see. I've only seen pictures and heard what people had to say about it. It wasn't until I was a sophomore in high school that my friend invited me to go to the Grand Canyon with his family. Now, I wasn't just going to see the Grand Canyon, but we were actually going to hike it. So I was a bit nervous for that, but I was excited to not just see it and leave, but to get there and to get in it. And I'll never forget when I was standing there and I saw the Grand Canyon for the first time, two things immediately came to my mind. Pictures do not do it justice. And there has to be a God. And he is a perfect and powerful creator. Psalm 19.1 tells us that the heavens declare the glory of God. The sky above declares the glory of God. The creation of the world shouts his handiwork. The creation points to and glorifies God the creator. Even here in our backyard, we have Pinnacle Peak in the McDowell Mountains that shout the beauty and creativity of our God. Romans 1.20 says that God's invisible attributes, his eternal power and divine nature are clearly and plainly seen in the creation of the world, leaving all of humanity without an excuse to claim ignorance of God. This is where I found myself when I saw the Grand Canyon for the first time. I certainly knew about God, that he is powerful and he's divine, but I didn't know God, his love, purpose, and plan of redemption for my life. God in his grace and in his kindness doesn't just leave us with general revelation, which is the creation of the world, but he gave us his special saving revelation. That is the Bible, where we get to know the very heart of our creator, his instruction for our lives, his love for us, and his plan to redeem us, where we can know not just about God, but where we can know God. Creation shouts the handiwork of God. Scripture shouts the heart of God. Just as we travel, sightsee, and enjoy the creation, so we should delight in, study, and meditate on the word of God. In Psalm 1, the psalmist writes about how delighting in and meditating on the word of God leads to a blessed life. 
This morning, we're going to take a look at just that. Go ahead and open up your Bibles to Psalm chapter 1. We'll be in the first three verses. For the Bibles that are in the seat backs in front of you, it's page 528 is Psalm chapter 1. In the Pew Bibles, 528, Psalm chapter 1. The book of Psalms is in the Old Testament and is after the book of Job and before the book of Proverbs. The Psalms are the songbook of the people of God. The Psalms are expressions of truth and emotion that serve to shape our lives and redirect our heart and our will to God. In Psalm 1, verses 1 through 3, we see what a life lived in the word of God looks like. Verses 1 through 3 say this. Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers. But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and on his law he meditates day and night. He is like a tree planted by streams of water that yields its fruit in its season, and its leaf does not wither. In all that he does, he prospers." This morning, we are going to study and meditate on the first three verses of Psalm chapter one. And we're gonna learn that the word of God is our direction, our delight, and our dependence. Point one this morning is the word of God is our direction. Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers. Blessed is the man, woman, or person who does not walk in the counsel of the wicked, stand in the way of sinners, or sit in the seat of scoffers. The psalm begins by showing us what the blessed person does not do. And we see a progression of how those without direction and without guide go from walking to standing to sitting comfortably in sin. The blessed person does not walk in the counsel of the wicked. As Christians, we do not find our direction from the unstable, unbelieving world. We do not find our advice from Hollywood. We do not get our counsel from secular worldviews. The world says to follow your heart. Do what makes you feel right. Jesus says, deny self, take up cross and follow me. The world says to lay up treasures to build the biggest kingdom, to multiply, invest. Jesus says, do not lay your treasures here on earth where moth and rust corrupt, but lay them in heaven. What makes us as Christians different from the world is our direction is not determined by the world, but by the word of God. The blessed person does not stand in the way of sinners. As Christians, we are to be in the world, but not of the world. We are the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden. We are to be a beacon of hope to our neighbors, our community, and the lost world. Not living as if we don't have divine truth. Not living as if we don't know our heavenly father. We do not find companionship with the unbelieving world, but we find our companionship And Jesus, the blessed person does not sit in the seat of scoffers. 
This progression from walking to standing to sitting is how deceitful sin can be. Walking with the world leads towards ungodliness. Sin's appeal causes us to stop, to stand, to take a closer look. It's false promise to satisfy tempts us in to come and sit, take a seat. Sitting requires sinking in and getting comfortable. As Christ followers, our comfort is Christ. The word of God is our direction and leads us to not walk, stand, and sit comfortably in sin. We are people who are easily influenced. We've all heard the saying, if you eat good food, you will be healthy. You are what you eat. If you eat bad food, you will be unhealthy. What we eat affects our physical, mental, and emotional well-being, so what we nourish ourselves with matters. If we spend our time seeking our advice from the world, in due time, we will look like the world. It's wise to discipline ourselves to seek our direction from God's word. The word of God is our direction and the word of God is our delight. This leads to point two this morning. The word of God is our delight. Verse two says this, but his delight is in the law of the Lord. And on his law, he meditates day and night. Here's what the blessed person does. Their delight is in the law of the Lord. To delight is to find complete satisfaction. It's to long for. It's to find our greatest pleasure in. Our delight, satisfaction, longing, and greatest pleasure is the law of the Lord. The law of the Lord is his instruction for our lives. His instruction for our lives is his word. The whole counsel of God, the Bible, from Genesis to Revelation, the word of God is our delight. And not only are we to delight in it, but we are to meditate on it day and night. When we think of meditation, I know a lot of things come to mind. Maybe you're like me and you think of the process of sitting, breathing, clearing the mind. Maybe you think of yoga or Eastern enlightenment. We see this most often today practiced in the new age belief system that falsely claims that higher spiritual knowledge and peace can be attained through meditation, breathing, clearing the mind, reciting mantras. And as I was preparing this sermon, I was talking with one of our staff members here at Highlands that God saved out of the new age belief system. I asked her, what do they teach meditation to be? And how is it supposed to be practiced? She said that meditation, according to the new age belief system, is centered on self. To clear the mind, to focus on oneself, and actually to make it void of all thinking in order to be susceptible to spirits or higher knowledge with the goal of achieving peace. It's taught that the more you practice, the longer you meditate, the longer and more sustained your peace will be. She shared with me that as she began to meditate, it first started as 30 minutes a day. 
to achieve peace. But what she discovered is that peace was short-lived, leading her to meditate more, craving a longer, more sustained peace. Sometimes she would meditate for hours on end. Her practice of meditation, taught by the New Age belief system, only provided temporary, short-lived spurs of peace. It wasn't until she began to meditate on God's word, a meditation not centered on self, but on God himself, she began to dwell in it, chew on it, soak in it, that she began to possess a peace that surpasses all understanding. This is what this word means in Psalm 1. The Hebrew word used here for meditate is haga. It means to moan, to growl, to utter, to muse. Have you ever read something before and, and you stopped and you're like, mm, that's good. Or maybe you've been praying with others in a circle before and you've heard an utter, an acknowledgement or agreement of like a, mm, yes, Lord. That is what this word haga encompasses. And this word really means to muse. To muse means to wonder and to marvel. Meditation is not a mere clearing of the mind, but it's a muse of our senses. It's a marveling at the majesty of God. Many of us are familiar with the term a muse. The prefix a in front of the word means not. When we go to an amusement park, we go to shut our brains off. We go not to think. We go to hopefully be distracted from reality. We go to be amused. The word of God is not our amusement, but our muse. To meditate on God's word is to soak, dwell, and chew on its meaning. When I first saw the Grand Canyon as a sophomore in high school, I was just taken back by its beauty. I mused at how beautiful it was. Three short months ago, my wife and I welcomed our second baby girl into the world, baby Noah, and the first time I held her in my arms, and I looked at her beautiful face. I couldn't help but to smile and to take it all in and to muse on God's blessing for my life. Do I delight in and meditate on God's word the same way? Is my greatest satisfaction God and his instruction? Is my greatest muse day and night his living word? If I'm being honest, not always. It's a great heart check for me. But here's the beauty of the word is that when we get in it, it renews our minds and realigns our heart and our will to God and his ways. We are blessed to delight in God's word and meditate on it day and night. The word of God is our direction, it's our delight, and is our dependence. This leads to point three this morning. The word of God is our dependence. Verse three says this. He is like a tree planted by streams of water that yields its fruit in its season and its leaf does not wither. In all that he does, he prospers. What a vivid, beautiful picture of the one who delights in and meditates on the word of God. 
And church, I wanna encourage you, if your faith is in Christ, this is your reality. You're like a tree planted by streams of water, yields fruit in season, doesn't wither, and prospers. A healthy tree that is fruitful and prosperous is dependent on the nourishment the roots receive. Growing up, we had a massive 50-foot eucalyptus tree in our front yard. I mean, this thing was a landmark in our neighborhood and on my street, and you could even see it from the main road. Now, this tree withstood through years and years and years of the monsoon season. It was unshakable. But as time went on, it wasn't carefully looked after. It wasn't properly nourished. The soil became polluted, robbing the roots of the nutrients they needed to survive. The roots began to wither and the strength of the tree declined. And after the monsoons that we had last year, it fell. A healthy, fruitful, prosperous tree is well nourished. The nourishment of the roots is the tree's dependence. Dependence is the reliance on somebody or something in order to survive or be successful. The integrity of our home's foundation is our home's dependence. The care and attention of the owner is a dog's dependence. Intentionality, presence, and love is a friendship's dependence. The tender-hearted love of a parent is a child's dependence. Streams of water are a tree's dependence. The word of God that nourishes our soul is our faith's dependence. We need to nourish the roots of our lives with the word of God. What are you soaking your roots in? Are your roots seeking nourishment from the approval of others and what the world has to say about you? Or are they nourished by the promise of who God says you are? Are your roots seeking nourishment from your reputation and the good works that you put forward? Or are they nourished by the work of God? Are they seeking nourishment from the empty promises of this world? Or are they nourished by the eternal promise of God? Are they seeking nourishment from polluted water? Or are they nourished by living streams? If we aren't planted, watered, pruned, and looked after by the word of God, we will wither. The reality of the dying tree in my front yard is it wasn't affectionately cared for. It wasn't attentively looked after. It wasn't properly nourished. As a result, it withered and couldn't withstand the storm. We must soak our roots into the word of God. It is our direction in life. It is our delight in life. It is our dependence. And when the storms of life come, we are not shaken because our roots don't depend on circumstance, but on the promises of God. When we face a breakup or we face a job loss and our families encounter financial burdens, when we receive a tragic diagnosis, when we experience a tragic loss in the family, when we encounter 
a trying season of life, we find our hope and our strength in Christ and his word. When we soak our roots into the word of God, delight in it and meditate on it, we are like a tree planted by streams of water that yields its fruit in its season and its leaf does not wither. In all that he does, he prospers. The word of God is our direction, our delight, and our dependence. To walk this out in our lives, it takes discipline. Good things take time. We must be intentional to cultivate a lifestyle of study and meditation on God's word in our day-to-day lives. Our lives are incredibly distracted. We're constantly consumed in our technology, checking our emails day and night, checking our social media notifications day and night. We are consumed in amusing ourselves with reality TV, video games, and YouTube. We're consumed in our careers, continuously anxious about the next meeting, anxiously checking our investment portfolios, working overtime to climb the ladder. We are consumed in our activities as families gear up for the fall, back to school, schedules are packed. We have so much competing for our time. Kids are involved in multiple extracurricular activities. We are busy bodies running from one thing to the next. It is vital for our faith to implement spiritual disciplines into our life. We must cultivate a lifestyle of study and meditation on God's word in our day-to-day lives. But how? We must get in the word. Now, I know that this is easier said than done. At Highlands, we have our Get in the Word Bible reading plan where Monday through Friday, we either send out a text or an email with a link to a chapter in the Bible that we're reading through and studying through. Right now, we're just finishing up the Gospel of John, and then we're going to spend a week meditating on the Psalms. We would love for you to join us. And maybe you've already signed up, and you've kind of fallen out of your rhythm and your routine. It's never too late to get back in. We can commit tomorrow to start our weeks off in the Word of God. You can sign up on our website and get more info about that at Info Central in the lobby. But as we implement a spiritual discipline of study and meditation into our lives, here are three things to help us get started. If you're taking notes, please jot this down. We need to identify a time, we need to identify a place, and we need to establish a plan. Identify a time in your schedule when you can devote 15 to 30 minutes of solitude time. This may look like getting up an an hour earlier than you usually do. And usually when I tell my high school students this, they look at me like I'm crazy. But it is doable. It takes discipline. This might look like devoting your commute time to solitude. This might look like utilizing your lunch break at school or at work solitude and identify a place, a place of refuge where distractions are minimal. This may look like your dining table, your breakfast nook, could be your living room couch and coffee table, 
Could be your car, your favorite coffee shop, your office before others arrive or when they scatter for lunch and establish a plan to follow. This takes discipline. Plans are only good if they're followed. In your drive time, make a commitment to using the audio function on getting the word and listen to the word and pray on it. At work, take a walk around the office, read only a couple of verses, meditate on them, chew on them. On your way to school, work, or extracurricular activities, listen to worship music in your car, spend time in prayer, practice scripture memorization. And families, establish a commitment as a family. Every day for 15 to 30 minutes before we get our day started, we will spend time delighting in and meditating on God's word as a family. Or every day before or after dinner or before the kids are down, we're gonna spend time in family worship. And families, every Sunday, every week for one hour, come Worship with the church. Be encouraged. Study, delight in, and meditate on the word of God with fellow believers. Attend church. Make that a rock in your schedules. Make that a non-negotiable. Students, I'm so thankful that you're here right now, and I know many of you are actually here without your parents. Make it a rock in your schedule. As for me and my household, we will worship and serve the Lord. Establish a time, place, and plan to study and meditate on God's word. When you open up your Bibles to read it, don't overcomplicate it. Read the passage slowly and carefully. Reread. Read aloud. Read prayerfully. What really helps me is to read with a pen in my hand. Pray about the text for God to soften your heart to what he's trying to teach you. For my wife and I, our place of refuge is our breakfast nook where we get together and we pray, we study God's word, we read it, we meditate together and we center our hearts on God. This is hard to do with two kids under two. We've had to make it a priority to get up an hour earlier than we usually do and with the newborn. And to be honest, we are not perfect at it. And sometimes we miss it. And when we do miss it, we are reminded of why we shouldn't miss it and why we cannot miss that time. When patience wears thin, I'm easily angered. I'm not the most loving, gentle, caring, husband, father, and friend. Don't be discouraged when your time, place, and plan aren't followed to a T, but be encouraged that God's mercies are new every day. Each day is a gift from God, and he's standing there with his arms open wide, ready to nourish us with his word. We're always learning as Christians. We are students. To study is to be a student. A disciple of Jesus is literally a student of Jesus. And as disciples of Jesus, 
We are to study and meditate on his words. When we study God's word, here are three simple questions to guide our study and meditation. This is gonna be a great guide for you guys as you read through scripture and apply these questions to your study. What does this passage say about God? What does this passage say about man? And what does this passage demand of me? We just took time walking through the first three verses of Psalm 1. Now I wanna read it for us and then apply these three questions this morning. Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers. But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and on his law he meditates day and night. He is like a tree planted by streams of water that yields its fruit in its season, and its leaf does not wither, and all that he does, he prospers. What does this passage say about God? This passage says that God is provider, that God provides us with the perfect direction in life, that God provides us with the perfect satisfaction that the world fails to deliver and cannot deliver. Shows that God provides the growth. He produces fruit. He sustains our faith. What does this passage say about man? This passage says that man is dependent. We are dependent people. We either depend on the world for direction or the word for direction. We either depend on the world to satisfy or the word to be our delight. We either depend on the world to feed us, to pollute our roots, where we depend on the word of God to nourish us with its living streams. And what does this passage demand of me? What is God calling me to out of this passage? This passage demands that we depend on God's word. God is provider and he's provided his word to us. It must be our direction, delight, Independence. The blessed person delights in and meditates on God's word. The Lord has spoken, and we are wise and blessed to listen, to study, and to meditate on his words. This morning, we're going to take communion. This is a time to delight in and meditate on the body and the blood of Jesus. When you walked into the sanctuary, we had the communion elements available in the back. We also have them in the seat backs in front of you. If you didn't get one and don't have one, just slip your hand up and we'll be happy to get them to you. Communion is a reminder for us as believers that we belong to Jesus. When we break the bread, we meditate on how Christ's body was broken for us on the cross. When we drink from the cup, we meditate on the blood Christ shed for us that covers all of our sins. Communion is exclusively for those who have placed their faith in Jesus and exclusively for those who trust in him as their redeemer and believe that he is Lord of all. 
If you have not placed your faith in Christ, please refrain from taking the elements. But I want to encourage you, if your faith is not in Christ, today is the day of salvation. There is a vast gap between God's holiness and our sinfulness. And our good works, self-righteousness, and pride will never bridge that gap. It's only by grace alone, through faith alone, and Christ alone. We would love to equip you in your walk with Jesus. Our Follow Jesus team in the back by the Follow Jesus sign would love to resource you in your walk with Jesus. Would love the opportunity just to talk with you, to pray with you. Today is the day of salvation. We're not guaranteed tomorrow. Let's prepare the elements. 1 Corinthians 11, verses 23 through 26. For I've received from the Lord what I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus on the night he was betrayed, he took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, this is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, also he took the cup after supper saying, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink the cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Let's bow our heads and pray. God, we thank you so much for your word. God, we thank you for this time to gather as a body, to be stirred, to be encouraged. God, would you help us as we start our weeks, as we go back to school, as we start back at work. God, would you please help us identify a time, place, and plan where we can study and meditate on your word. God, help us to not be discouraged when we miss a day, but God, help us to be reminded of why we need you. God, you sustain us. God, you provide for us. Lord, I wanna pray for the hearts in this sanctuary. God, would you soften their hearts to the truth of your gospel? God, would you sustain us? God, would you help us to disciple our friends, family, and children? God, would you help us to press into you and not press into ourselves? God, would you help us to find our direction, delight, and dependence in you and you alone? It's in Jesus' name we pray, amen. Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers. But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and on his law he meditates on day and night. He is like a tree planted by streams of water, yielding fruit in its season, and its leaf does not wither, and all that he does he prospers. Church, may we delight in and meditate on the word of God this week.